Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. This week, Stefan Surratt joins me. He has an upcoming double feature adventure for Weird Frontiers, which is a game system that is a mashup of DCC and Westerns. Imagine Deadlands on steroids. His two adventures are The Brimstone Cradle and The Hills That Have Eyes. We talk about the inspirations for these adventures and the general zaniness of Weird Frontiers. Sisters and brothers, it's time to saddle up and get rambling. Hello, Stefan. Hey, Jeff. So there's a rumor going around that you have some sort of product that's on the horizon, something kind of a little different than the normal? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm working, well, I've been working on it, keep on working on a, uh, a Weird West kind of uh, a couple of adventures for uh, a game called Weird Frontiers, which uh, it's out in PDF. Physical for that, for the actual core system isn't out yet, but it did gangbusters on, on Kickstarter a couple years ago now and got so many stretch goals. Oh, it bloated and grew, and it's a like a nine hundred page PDF. <laughs> you know, I the did you uh, did you back the Modiphius Conan? No, I didn't get that one. Oh, there's a point where it's just like just stop, just stop, just stop. It's just like this is obscene. I, I got more stuff than I can possibly read. So well, that's, that's great, though. So, but they're but they're actually fulfilling stuff. So that's yes, they are. Story. It's uh, they also had a, it was originally called Dark Trails and. It, uh, Chaosium has their down darker trails, which is also oh, a weird yeah. Western thing. So they had to go through a name change. It's all cool with them, both parties down. But now uh, this thing is called Weird Frontiers. Yeah, I remember uh, hearing something about that. It's it's it sounds it's good when people can have problems and then like like adults solve them. Yeah, the <laughs> you know I don't think uh, anyone in the RPG industry is terribly cutthroat so uh glad well, to, to hear yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe back in the 80s or something but uh yeah i think for the most part people have been doing this for a number of years or doing it because they like it i'm sure there's there's an yeah. occasional crazy person out there but but for the most part you're right they're not nobody wants to hurt another company you know there's no no desire for that so yeah so that's interesting so the system is based off of the um the dungeon crawl classic system mm-hmm. yeah it's it's largely the same it has a mostly a the biggest difference is you know you got guns but you know you're still rolling d20s to shoot people just like if you had a crossbow but it's got a whole bunch of different classes too it's so it's a you know you got a gunslinger class you got a gambler class you got a so what does a gambler class do like what's what's the if that makes me want to play it mm-hmm. like okay uh, I'll say it, it has uh, either 12 or 13 different classes, but, but they all actually um, I haven't had the opportunity to play too much except when I'm running. Um, but, I, but I do get to see them all there. But like, so uh, the gambler class, uh, you get bonuses to uh, doing things that uh, you might do if, in um, illicit pursuits. So it's kind <laughs> of, uh, it's not like you are a criminal, you know, if you wanted to be, you'd be pretty good at that stuff. But uh, everyone has some kind of magic going too. And the gambler, they can uh, use an actual deck of cards, um, and they can 
basically spend some points that they have for their class that, you know, like regenerate, you know, day by day. Uh, and they can charge up actual playing cards and basically use them kind of like Gambit from X-Men. <laughs> and it's like, so, you know, you do damage on these cards, you know, aces and eights, they're bad to draw. You'll have to recharge your cards, but phase cards, they also get like a, their own special entry beyond just a, a basic damage thing. So do you randomly draw your card and then that's what... Yeah, you just randomly draw them from a deck. So it's and it's, you like, can keep on drawing it in, until you either get a face card or you get an ace or an eight, which would stop you and you'd have to recharge your card next round. So it's kind of like almost not really a deck of many things, but there's still that kind of random you don't know element combined yeah. with the... Uh, but things can go wrong, though, when you're drawing those cards, though. Right? Uh, a, a little bit. Uh, it's just, you know, hey, uh, an ace or an eight, that's a dead man's hand. So uh, that just stops you. And you have to okay. use a, a basically a point to recharge them on your next round. But play test I ran the other day, guy was doing that in the final encounter. And he, you know, first card, it was like a seven. So he, you know, did some damage. He threw that card, exploded at the big bad. And then the next one was a, a queen of hearts, which became, um, a bunch like uh, four different floating hearts that were around him, which gave him a temporary AC bonus and they were on fire. So it also made it so that enemies who tried to attack him in melee had a chance of catching on fire. <laughs> and it was like, and it's like that for three rounds. Or <laughs> That's funny. It's got uh, a lot of fun classes. One of them, the one I see people pick the most is the Hellbilly, which is <laughs> it's it's basically a bar a bard barbarian because you got your your hillbilly who can play his banjo or whatever instrument, and the banjo you can either you can heal people or you can buff people just a little bit, you know, a few points, or you can drink down your magical hooch and you know breathe fire for a second, or you can drink a lot of your magical hooch and just go in like a full-on rage. Okay, so I must say, though, I, I've always just kind of had just a general, like, nod of interest towards, like, the Wild West. But I'm, I might say I might be sold on this. You may have taken <laughs> me from being very neutral to say I must, I must play, run this game. I must yeah. play in this game. So that's, that's pretty incredible, really. Yeah, it's it's a bunch of fun. People love that one, and uh, another class is luchadors. People want to be luchadors and pull off wrestling moves. <laughs> they want to wrestle zombies to death. You know? Yes, and, and, and quote Nacho Libre <laughs> while doing it. Yeah. <laughs> but so it's it's a really fun system. I've had a lot of. As soon as I saw the Kickstarter, I was like, oh yeah, this is. Ex I love DCC, and I want. I've been wanting a Weird West thing for a while. Um, just, I, I tried like a D20 weird West, um, cause they did D20 modern back in the 3.5 days. Yeah. I tried a, a Western splat book of that and I've tried Deadlands and Deadlands was pretty cool, but I don't know. I didn't quite, uh, the mechanics of it didn't quite jive with me. I, I so love DCC, the Savage, so I do this one. 
hit it with the me. Savage Worlds mechanics you didn't like, or was it the the original mechanics, it was, or was it D twenty? It was the original um, Deadlands. I never actually played the D twenty, and I never actually played the Savage Worlds. So maybe that would have scratched my itch, the Savage Worlds version. But I never actually tried. Yeah, I I think it's worth trying. It's a decent system, um, but it's 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 a uh, it's both kind of. To me, what's kind of hard is that your raises are based off of the die you roll it's mm-hmm. er- by increments of four. So it starts becoming weird math. Not that it's really hard, but for whatever reason, simple things like that can become kind of difficult. <laughs> it, it can. I'll, I'll say the probably the main thing that is the actual reason for me never trying the Savage Worlds one is uh, until the, the age of COVID and tons of online playing, I mostly played with the same group of guys I've played with for the past like 15 years. So, uh, you know, folks get set in their ways and they're used to rolling D twenties and they don't want to learn a new thing. The, the thing of savage world is it's really it, what it's intended for is pulp action. Mm-hmm. That's the engine that drives it. It's, um, I don't want the, the early things for it was like a hollow earth, uh, adventure. No, that was the ubiquity. Oh, okay. The ubiquity, they call it ubiquity because you can use any dice. It, any, well, I take that back. You, it has to be even number of sides. Because <laughs> I think. <laughs> so the D7s. Yeah, so your, your, your digital crawl classics, some of those dice wouldn't apply. So basically, I think evens are successes. And, and um, so you roll whatever dice you roll, or um, you just count the evens and successes. Okay. And then you got to get so many successes to make something happen. So you already have a 50%. Okay, need, dice pool need, system, but w- whatever kind of dice you got. Yeah, but they also have special dice they'll sell you, and uh, which 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 makes it quicker, and um, it actually kind of does that. But it that's a de- that's a decent game, um, but I don't know that I'd ever. I don't know. It doesn't sound. Also, I will say that it does not sound as fun as this. Uh, the uh, not dark trails. What was it called? Oh, uh, weird frontiers. Weird frontiers. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that just seems like that. if you if you like the the Gonzo, they they went full Gonzo. They put the they put Gonzo up front with this. Oh yeah. Yeah. This is it's. I get the setting is. It's vague enough. You could do a lot with it, but it uh, the gist of it is uh, in the in universe story that the universe was you know it's Earth. As we know it, for the most part, it was magic long ago to some extent determined by, you know, whatever your, you know, group of guys wants to do. Um, but then some dang old Cthulhu cultists did some ritual out in the desert <laughs> and the sun disappeared for seven <laughs> days straight. And after that, there's all sorts of nasty monsters and, you know, people started getting magical powers and, you know all the horrible things and wonderful things started returning to the world. So do they keep it in the U S or do they, or is it like you could be mobile parts in the world during this time? It's uh, I mean, I don't think they plan to expand it out. The, the core rulebook only covers the U S it kind of, it hints at some stuff happening in Mexico. Um, and it, I don't think you'd be hard pressed to, to do stuff in, in Canada, but uh, it's, no coverage for anything else that happens outside the North America region. So I, I believe that, you know, Europeans tend to 
be somewhat interested a lot of times with the with our Wild West. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my favorite uh, authors is uh, G.K. Chesterton. So early 1900s, him, George Bernard Shaw, a number of people. There was some some British lord that got them all together to film a cowboy movie. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> guys have never been to outfits. America. <laughs> yeah, no, it just looks like let's do a cowboy movie. I want to watch that. Era. Yeah, well, I don't think it was ever is ever published, but there's a oh. picture of of all these British intellectuals dressed up as cowboys, <laughs> and I I just find that just that 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 thought just charming. So I just like you know it would be kind of fun where if if there was a way of because you're already being, you know, it's, it's already weird. You could, yeah. you know, you could probably do something along those lines where you could force it, the West in the wild West into England or I'm, wherever. I'm now wondering like, did hammer films like ever do some Western movies? <laughs> like, gosh, I hope so. I mean, I know there's plenty of, you know, you can go watch near dark or some kind of vampire Western movie, but I'm like, did hammer, did hammer do it though? I don't know. Let's see the British take. Yes. So how did you, um, okay. So like I grew up, I'm a little bit older than you, just a little bit. Like I think I'm about two years older than you. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, so I grew up, there was a number of Westerns, Westerns are on TV. I grew up with syndicated gun smoke. I mean, Bonanza. I mean, I, I spent a lot of my youth was, you know, not that I was an avid Western, but, there's a lot of westerns out there, like so. How do you come by? Like, I just kind of, you know, wonder. Like, so, what causes you to say, "Yeah, I, I, this Wild West is a thing I want to try"? Um, I mean, I, 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 I'm, I was a kid raised in a, a very rural town in Texas. That okay. By the time I was a teenager, like the suburbs had come strong and hard. But for, you know, the first like twelve years of my life. Uh, there's nothing to do. The, the thing I tell people is I remember when I was like five and the closest McDonald's was about an hour drive. Um, yeah, which is su- super weird to, uh, to most people, I imagine. Um, but yeah, so I, well, I remember being a little kid and, uh, trying to practice lassoing like a stick that I had stuck in the ground in my front yard and being terrible at it, of course. Um, but I was always loving, you know, cowboy movies and stuff like that. And uh, there's a, I mean, even now, if you want to watch a bunch of cowboy movies and you don't know where to start, you can start with a lot of bad ones. YouTube has a lot of crappy <laughs> old westerns and a few good ones. The people are just sticking up there because they're like, nobody cares about this like Italian cowboy movie that no one remembers from, you know, the, you know, mid '60s or. A little after that, I'm trying to do the rip off of, you know, Clint Eastwood movies. That's okay. He ripped off the Japanese yeah. samurai movies. So yes, he did. <laughs> yeah. So it's all goes back to Kurosawa. <laughs> it does. Well, I guess that makes sense. I, you know, you know, why Westerns? Because you grew up in Texas. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't thinking. <laughs> oh. 
So, uh, so you thought, you know what? This I'm I'm digging this Wild West. Um, I have a gambler that can 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 do all sorts of crazy things with cards. I got my I got my uh, barbarian. My uh, the hellbilly. Hellbilly. (laughs) Oh my goodness! (laughs) And it's got more like typical classes. Like there's a the Revelator class, and that's basically a cleric, and the Occultist, and that's basically a wizard. Yeah, but who wants to do that? (laughs) I know they're very rarely seen in the playtests I've I've done. Everyone wants to be the Hellbilly or the Luchador, (laughs) the Gunslinger. You know? Yeah, they don't. They're like, no, it's just cleric. I can do that any old day. So, so did you like? Is it like you? You you were flipping through the PDF. You, you you it was and you flipping through the pages, and all of a sudden mm-hmm. it was like ah! You saw the light, <laughs> and you said, I, "I've got an adventure I want to write." It it wasn't even before um it was it was before they had the PDF out. It was uh while the Kickstarter was going on, I was at a North Texas RPG con, and uh Dave Beatty, the guy who you know created it, he was there. It was, I was in a play test um, of, uh, let me see, it's called Blood in the Whiskey. That's what the adventure is going to be called. <laughs> I think he was like, this is only my second time running it, guys. So it's still pretty rough. And I was like, I don't care. Yeah, um, yeah I played it. And that was like my, my like fourth game ever, even doing DCC type of system. So that was pretty early for me, but I was, I was hooked on that too. So where so what's the name of the adventure that you're writing? Uh so it's it's two adventures. Um uh one is the Brimstone Cradle, the other is the Hills That Hunger. And um So they so, are they both in the same is gonna be one so is it gonna be in a zine format? It's gonna be eight and a half by eleven. How what's eight, the format? Eight and a half by eleven. Um and I've actually I've got it like all laid out. I've got stretch goals, so uh it might grow a little bit, but I've I've planned well so that I'm like prepared. Um, I actually just got like a, a proof off of the drive-through RPG, just a POD. I'm gonna print it through Mixum is the plan, so I can actually get a staple binding. Um, but having it in a physical form helps me like look through it and find mistakes that I just I, my brain doesn't want to let me actually see on a on a digital screen. And it was only like a couple minor layout things. Um, it's funny how that is. Like all of a sudden, yes, all those uh, dashes should be M dashes, and how you yeah. miss that, or how those spaces are there, or how it's one all my header. the page numbers they aren't aligned the same way. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's amazing. So you're so you're doing so you're doing two adventures, but mm-hmm. it's going to be in a single zine, or not a single yeah. zine, but in a single uh, eight and a half by eleven. Yeah, normal module size. Um, yeah, one. So the brimstone cradle. I it's a Christmas adventure. And so this this Kickstarter, it's I plan to start it on November 3rd. And it'll end a little before Black Friday. I've got it all written and laid out. So I'm gonna be able to deliver on like getting people the PDF uh and pre-gen characters. Plan is like the first week of December, so that you can actually play the Christmas adventure before Christmas happens. Um because otherwise, you know, you'd be probably getting it and, you know, and like, you know, I could just sit on it for a while until the print copy is going out or something like that or a little bit longer. But I've got it already. Some of the art, uh, my, I've got some stock art that is very well chosen, but uh, the first stretch goal is 
get that replaced with original art by, from uh, Diogo Nogueira. <laughs> you so, can't go wrong with Diogo. No, he's he's amazing. Um, but he'll, so he'll get people you, get you halfway to a, a gold any. Yeah, just hopefully by having him halfway yeah. there. Yeah, I'm gonna throw that on the case. Uh, any award winner <laughs> for writing, uh, but he's also an amazing artist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so people will get both the adventures like first week of December after the Kickstarter ends. Um, but yeah, Brimstone Cradle. It's a little Christmas adventure, and they're both self-contained. They don't have to be connected. Um, it's going to be a level two one, and it's basically a, a set on Christmas Day. Blizzard starts, you know, you guys are trying to get someplace before yeah. Christmas, but you can't quite get there. And you're waking up in like, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., something like that on Christmas morning because a blizzard starts raging and you're camping out. And the only place you can find to take shelter is this one cabin. And lo and behold, uh, you know, there's a little newborn baby and you guys got to protect it. Or maybe you, you can just hand it over to the <laughs> demons who are wanting it that will be, you know, menacing this baby until dawn. Well, that's fun. And, uh, yeah. oh, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, and, you know, maybe if you do the right things, and presents might appear underneath a Christmas tree or something like that. It is Christmas <laughs> after all. And the characters can wipe a little tear from their eyes as they, uh, at the very end, right? As, uh, yeah. as the swarming <laughs> music plays. Yeah. And this, uh, I, I wrote that like around Christmas while my wife was pregnant. And it was kind of one of those things that came out of like, it's Christmas time, but I'm, you know, this is Lovecraft monsters and weird wild west. My wife is pregnant. Yeah, this would be a horror story. Okay. Yeah, this is perfect. Let's, and I just kind of went with it. It's like a, this, you can you can certainly leave the cabin, but most of the playtests ended up uh, ended end up being with it just being like a one room that you guys are in for pretty much the whole four hour slot. Kind of like the Hateful uh, Eight. Yeah, I was uh, Hateful Eight or Evil Dead. <laughs> it's kind of like a Evil Dead meets uh, an old western called Three Godfathers, where where John Wayne and couple other actors they were three criminals who had to protect this baby yes well that's cool so uh what's the other adventure going to be uh the hills that hunger and the it, hills that hunger yeah uh and it's it works as uh either like a zero level funnel or a, or a first level adventure i've done a good amount of play testing with both and uh and it is more of a just uh the the main inspiration is uh, the hills have eyes. Yes, and it's, I'm not uh, seen it, but I'm familiar with with that. I've not actually seen it, so I've, I've seen the the. I mean, I had like a bunch of crappy sequels and a very in <laughs> a pretty recent uh, pair of remakes. Uh, yeah, remakes that were a little too much, in my opinion. Is what you know some of those remakes that are. They're just like, oh, we have budget and the ability to do a lot more gore and have it be a lot more on screen than you used to be able to do. And, you know, actually get a rating that allows you to be in theaters. Um, but yeah, cannibal hillbillies. They've kidnapped people. They've burned down the wagon caravan. The sheriff went there. He didn't come back. He should have <laughs> by now. And if anyone's going to save anyone, you got to do it. Well, that, that's fun because it's it's definitely. Uh, I mean, who doesn't want to be fighting hillbilly cannibals? Yeah, and i I try to make sure 
uh, that there's like a good about a, I hate it in adventures when they're, the enemies don't feel like they've got personality. So in, in the brimstone cradle, I've got stuff for like the enemies to yell at the creatures. There's like evil insectoid Santa Claus looking monsters and they'll be like, ho, 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 you're naughty. Oh, that's fine. I've like written that in there, like some suggestions of stuff to say. But in for the cannibal hillbillies, I've got like a table of like, here's some weird deformities that you should give them or combine or just take it as inspiration. You know, the the tainted malformities table. So this is a bad suggestion, and I know you've already got laid out, <laughs> but I'm gonna go ahead and throw this out there. So are they are they like adventures like you flip through and then halfway it's the next one or do you have like two covers and you flip the the you flip it two directions and it's a different adventure basically I, you flip it I have not it's, a, it's just halfway through it's another adventure uh I couldn't it's a ba- figure it's out a bad a good idea way. to do it that way but uh, I just wondering I would love to do it that way but it's uh it proved complicated as you might imagine <laughs> So I was just like, all right, this is my, oh, my second go around at like doing print myself, really. So we'll work that kink out next time, maybe. I don't know that anybody ever likes it. I didn't get done it with, I I, I remember the, some traveler adventures were that way in the zine format. I don't know if there was, I don't think they did any comics that way, but. It seems like games actually does it for a lot of their free RPG day stuff. There's there'll be like a quick start thing and it's like levels zero to two, a short adventure. And then every year they'll change it. And the other adventure will be after that, but it'll be flipped upside down. And yeah, so they do it at least, but I can. It it was, yeah, it was, it was too complicated. (laughs) And I was like, I'm still, I'm no layout champ yet. You know, everything I've done has been incremental. I mean, for like two years, every mm-hmm. project's been one more thing I do. Yeah. I, I try not to. I'm not trying to hit a home run from the beginning. <laughs> it took me a while to say, okay, now I'm ready to start trying color. <laughs> yeah. Well, my last thing was a zine, and this is the eight and a half by 11. So I'll have to learn something new next time. Well, that's kind of interesting. So, uh, so you you don't so do, so you uh, so having done the eight and a half eleven versus the the zine format the digest format so mm-hmm. what are your thoughts now having having like what did, did you change font size what what sort of things uh, it what are your it's thoughts not by, that much two? different um, in in a zine you're just you're doing one column of course and eight and a half by eleven you should probably switch it up. To a two-column format, because otherwise it's not going to be very fun to read either in one column. Or if you try to do that, I think TSR used to do where they do three columns yeah. on one page. <laughs> that was you can fit a lot of text in, but it it's not easily readable. So I I did both one and two for the in the in the digest size. I've yeah. done both. It, I think sometimes it works. It depends what you're doing. Sometimes it works it, well having two, but other times it's like, no, nah, it's just too much. Yeah, there there are things you can do that, you know, some tables especially can work really well in two columns. Um, but yeah, it, it depends what you're doing. It's uh, what I said there is certainly not a rule. There's there's very no. few rules in layout. There's all <laughs> yeah, guidelines. Exactly. And the Morkboard comes along and breaks them all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so yeah, another thing is I, I did bump my I did bump the font size up um for I'm trying to think, did I do it for for I'm doing a layout for Swords and Wizardry Continual Light. That one I did bump up to ten. I went is instead of doing the five and a half by eight and a half, I went with a six by nine. By doing six by nine, I get just a little bit of of more margins, and then I get a little bit of space between the columns if I use the uh, two columns. Was that the gutter? I can't remember what it's called gutter. Yeah. Uh, well, the, the gutter's the at, at the inside, between where the two pages meet. Okay. So what's the one between the two columns? That's the. Um, I don't remember the technical name for that. Yeah, <laughs> we've, we've blown our cover for being experts, but yeah, you can you can you can use that open a little bit. You know, instead of doing like that, that um, I think it's normally like one point six seven seven. You can like bump it up to like point two or whatever, and it gives yeah. a little more breathing room if you want to do two column. Because then sometimes you do that two column in that zine format, it just it gets a little too stuffy. So, did, so did you? For your margins for the uh, magazine, did you like uh, do anything crazy in your margins? Like, do you add extra text here and there? I, I didn't do anything crazy because um, uh, I I tried it, I experimented with it, but it just wasn't looking. It, it was it was just looking cluttered, is what it was doing. So, <laughs> I is pretty simple layout, two columns. You know, I I throw the art in there uh, and. Honestly, the most important thing to me, and, it, and it's true no matter what size you're doing, is trying to make it so that you don't have those, uh, I think the, the technical term is orphans, um, where you have your important paragraph describing a single concept or single room, and in the middle of it, you have to flip and turn to the next page and continue reading there. And the better thing to do is try to reword your paragraph in a way so that you complete your sentence on one or your thought on one page before you, you know, turn the page. Cause that, it just makes for better referencing and it annoys the heck out of me too. Um, so <laughs> I made sure to always do that. You know, and make sure if, if you're describing a monster, put the picture of the dang monster on the page, not the page before, not the page after. Try to get it as close <laughs> as possible. So that when, you know, the judge is reading the stat block and describing the thing that bursts in the room, he can look right down and say, oh yeah, it looks like a, a zombified reindeer with that's, you know, got more of a wolven snout and wolven teeth and, and its feet are crunching the snow and little licks of hellfire are left in its prints. I think, um, and that is definitely true because you can get those things all over the place. The other thing is the, uh, I, I've noticed that because you go to a, a magazine star, or a, a eight and a half by 11 format, mm-hmm. I didn't have to worry about page count. And because I don't have to worry about yeah. page count, I can have more space. I don't have to worry about managing space. I can have it more open and be able to put stuff in and have it more more breathing room. Yes, absolutely can. Like uh, one of the, one of the stretch goals that I'm doing, and it's we'll have to get up there. I don't know if we'll hit it, but it's for a bonus adventure, which uh, I've been doing playtesting for. It needs a a you know this is we're recording this ahead of time. It'll have the tweaking done by then. But you know if we if we get that stretch goal, I'll be like okay, emailing my editor again. But I'll be able to throw it in there if I if we get to that point because it's the full size on a if i were doing this 
in the zine size format, there would not be enough pages that I would be able to get to. Yeah, that and that that's definitely can be, you know, if if your if your zine's only like 30 pages and you go up by an extra five or ten, that's one thing. But when you start hitting 50, <laughs> yeah, like it's like, oh my goodness. The the two adventures, I try to write pretty concisely. Um you can be too concise, but you can also, you know, no one no one needs no one should be putting multiple paragraph pieces of box text for when you enter a room there's too much to remember in that and it's it's just monologuing um so i try to write pretty concisely but it's two adventures in about 24 pages so zine format that you know you basically double it i'd already be at 48 or 50 right you can't really go any bigger than that so the and, and I should have wrote down, even though I keep repeating. So it's not dark trails. What's it called? The the system? Weird Frontiers. Yeah, Weird Frontiers. So the question I would have is, and I know I, that somebody else did the Weird Frontiers, but is there any way you can work with Weird Frontiers to make a add-on? I don't know if there's a way to do an add-on with, like, so even just at a PDF level. Uh. To like a, a PDF to in what sense? Sorry, I don't. I don't. I, quite I would mi- like like Weird Frontiers. I would. I wouldn't mind having. Is oh there yeah. A way the, that you, you... Uh, oh, I get what you mean. Where if you back it at a certain level, you get the Weird Frontiers PDF. Um, you know, that's a that's a good thought actually. I, I'll email Dave and, and see if he wants to do something like that. Yeah, because Cause... you know, and also you know, I I. It, I don't know as far as because he's you're talking about he's printing books and different things or, mm-hmm. or he hasn't printed yet, but but you know maybe there's a way to tie in with with his stuff and it could be a win win for you both. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been emailing back and forth with him because I had to get you know licensing and stuff. It's his property. I can't just go making money off of it and, or, <laughs> or trying to. We'll see if I make anything. Uh, so, but uh, yeah, might be. Dave's a really good. Great guy. Uh, we're referring to it's certainly on Drive Through RPG. It, it's oh, so like it's 30... already sorry, oh, it's already a PDF on yeah on oh, okay yeah. So sorry if that was confusing. However, I said it earlier. Yeah, you can just go on. I think it's like thirty bucks for the PDF, and you get yeah like a nine hundred page file and you know a high res map of America and some other stuff. I still wonder if there would be a benefit. Maybe not. I mean, to to even still. Do something with that through your Kickstarter. Might might I'll email them. I'll see. Um might be. I do have some add-ons for it, like on on drive through RPG. I sell some like uh VTT tokens on there. And I've got a bunch of different kinds, but Wild West among them. So like one of the add-ons is get that. Other add-on is get, you know, merchants of the multiverse in case you want that and either print or PDF, because I got it. Why not have it as, as a little add-on there? Um but uh, I don't know one one little fun tidbit. Uh, there there are two adventures in the back of the core rulebook for Weird Frontiers. So, um, a zero level adventure, then also a first level adventure. Uh, one is called Death Crawls West, and the other is called a uh, uh, the, Lo- the Canyon of Lost Souls, I believe. But there's also like five. It had so many. It had a bunch of stretch goals, and I think five of them were for additional adventures. Um, which are all, uh, to my knowledge, have 
they've all been written and are in one other, you know, later they're in layout or editing or, or something like that. But um, if I if I do my time and write, if I'm if I'm quicker than Dave, this will be the first standalone <laughs> adventures <laughs> published for Weird Frontiers. Even though it'll be third party, I might get it out quicker. I'm not sure. That's funny. That's funny. So you so you do. I didn't realize you did uh, VTT tokens. Mm-hmm. So what VTT do you use? Um, you I I just use Roll Twenty because. Uh, it's not the best. I certainly won't claim that. Um, but it's free. I can th- I can take a little snapshot of a PDF, save it as a JPEG, upload it, you know, and and have my map up there. And I've got all these tokens, so I can. I've just used it long enough that I'm comfortable with it. And as I said, all right. And most importantly, it's free. Um, yeah, I, so. I, that's what I've been using. But I, but a friend talked me into. Well, I didn't talk me. He's just <laughs> looking into Foundry uh, VTT. I've played in Foundry a couple of times, and it, uh, it's. I don't know how much prep work it takes in setting up, but the experience I had, I think that the, you know, person who set it up had done a lot of work. At very least, they'd done a really good job because it was very slick and smooth. I think it, it's probably it's like. It appears to be like Roll Twenty, where you can put as much time into it as you want. Yeah. <laughs> but what I what I found was I had to start making changes because I was having problems um, getting it because it creates what Foundry does. It makes a, a your computer the server. Oh yeah, that's right. And then I started messing around, and then I I, I kind of got it to work, but then I like broke the internet on my computer. <laughs> yeah, not for the I, faint of broadband. And I, I would unplug the Ethernet cable and plug it back on, and, and then the browser would work for about two minutes, and then it would quit again. Ugh. And luckily, I was able to to restore back. <laughs> oh, man. I came very close to having to do a factory reset, <laughs> I think, on settings. So anyway, so yeah, I didn't know what your experiences you have. Roll20 is great. Uh, I'll have to check out those. So you have on there, you've got Weird West uh, tokens. What else I've, do you yeah, have on there? I've got Wild West. I've got some fantasy, some sci-fi, some like pulp ones that this would probably suit like a Call of Cthulhu adventure, you know. Yeah. Uh, whatever set in, you know, the 1920s. What You know, if you got something with uh, where you, where a woman would be called a dame and uh, and most of the guys are wearing top hats and, and packing gats, you know, if you, so I got plenty of those. Um, and also some of just like some beasts and monsters. I. I've got a lot of them on there um, and it took a lot of work to, to make all of them, but I also totally took the the shortcut and found a bunch of public domain comic book art. And uh, that's what they all are. It's just the work to, to put them in those nice little circles and <laughs> yes, so that they actually look like tokens. And a lot of that comic book art is uh scans online that you can find are pretty crummy quality so it's sorting through a lot of garbage to uh to find hey this face actually works right yeah it's amazing there is a lot of stuff out there but you're right it, it does take a while to, to sift through it I, I i had some ideas for uh doing a pulp science fiction game and then but there is some neat stuff out there in public domain but it's it it's, i just realized too to use it still requires a lot of work it's not just a simple yeah in it 
and to just do that. But, uh, but there is a lot of neat stuff out there and, um, and various sites that, that house, uh, uh, the, those files that you can sift through. It's, it's kind of crazy. Well, if you or anyone is in need of some VTT tokens for the low, low price of $15, you, uh, <laughs> if you get it as a add-on on my Kickstarter, you can get over a thousand VTT tokens. Uh, well, that's a steal. <laughs> that's a steal at twice the price. That's uh, twice the price is how much it normally is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that'd be great. I think if great. you buy them all separately. I don't, but yeah. So, so you've got your, so you've, uh, so you saw this, um, Weird Frontiers came out. You're like, hey, I got these adventures. You write the adventures. Of course, mm-hmm. you know, the hard part is always is, you know, you, we can always write things in our in our head. And it's, you know, but we know that players often take different paths. Yeah. And, and also we realize that even though we may know certain things, we, we, we may, somebody else trying to run our adventure, they don't know what's in our head. and how well we communicate things. So what do you do to, to play test? Uh, well, I, I don't know. The, the first thing is you can't, I don't know. You certainly can write the full thing before you, you know, ever actually run it. You can do that. If you do that, I, I hope you've been at very least playing games and running games for a long time, because that's, You'll at least know, generally speaking, you know, historically and anecdotally from your own experience, what people tend to like. But uh, try not to get too far along before you play test, so you can make sure if you're at least on the right track. Um, for this, it was an interesting experience because I started play testing with the beta rules. So, uh, like, there was <laughs> there was like one convention where the the like the new fuller version of the rules where the classes all had new abilities you know the oh, like yeah. the cleric equivalent hadn't had a turn on dead thing in the beta rules and it was the night before an online convention the new rules came out and so like the next day you know hey can i use this it seems to be better now i was like uh yes you you know that's what i need a play test for I don't know all of what you can do now, but you can use this new, better version of the character. The pre-gen I gave you might not reflect all your correct abilities, though. In fact, it definitely won't. Um, well, that so. is kind of fraught because I remember with Cortex um, uh, Plus, or is it Prime, that they, I kickstarted that and it, and I tried running it and they would go through rules changes. And the problems is mm-hmm. they, he would start for right reasons, start changing terminology. And then it started becoming very yeah. confusing. I, there was a point where I had to say, I can't do this anymore. I have to wait till <laughs> it comes out. <laughs> Got like, that. Fortunately, there's only one big change. And I was, I like, I knew it was coming. And I had mostly been playtesting the hills that hunger at that point, not Brimstone Cradle. But for that one, it was, I didn't have to tweak it too much. Um, but that you know, that's what it amounted to tweaks. You know, if if a class can, you know, one of them had like a new ability where you know the revelator can now do a turn unholy equivalent. Another is like, oh, now they can speak with the dead. And honestly, what it did was make the adventure better because I was going, you know, I'd hate it for someone who has this really cool class ability to come in, and I don't, I 
there's 13 classes, so it's hard to make it so that there's a moment for every single class to shine at some point. But I added in a spot in the adventure, you know, and wrote in some extra stuff where you can, you know, speak with the recently or not so recently deceased and what they might be able to tell you or what the remnants of their souls at least look like, even if you can't speak with them. Um, so it just, it ended up making the adventure better because there's more creativity, more hard work into making sure that the classes were good in the end. And it sounds like what you're doing, I mean, you're taking what definitely is, um, well, like the Hills have eyes really isn't, I guess, a Western, but it, it definitely fits well within, you know, that kind of horror genre. And um, I guess the question is for, for a lot of games, I know a lot of people like the, the idea of, of dungeons being kind of a, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm sure Mutant Crawl Classics, even though I've not played a lot of it, they're still quote unquote dungeons and such. Yeah. So what's, how does, I guess the question is how they, I don't want to say get around that, but I mean, what's, you know, the things that you do, how's mm -hmm. that going to be different? How's that structured differently rather than having the, the dungeon crawl experience? Uh, so I, I'll say I kind of cheated a little bit. So the brimstone cradle was essentially one room the whole night and you can, yeah. you can try to go out in the blizzard. You can go a few other places. But it's for most way usually goes in play tests. It's the one room, so um, you just have some interesting people trapped in the cabin, and you have you let the players try to reinforce you know the entrances so that demons can't just you know come and open the front door, um, and you allow them to role play with each other. Uh, for the hills that hunger, I kind I basically made a dungeon. Um, and it's, Hey, you have this top of the hill. There's a fence around it. that's like, you know, eight feet tall. It's made from scraps of, it looks like a wider camp. They've got barbed wire on it. So you can try to crawl over if you want, but you may not want to. And there's a front gate and Hey, you've got like, you know, an outhouse, a shack that looks like it's barely standing, a boarded up, you know, entrance to the mines. And a half collapse, like what was a two-story house and is now about a one-and-a-half-story house. And uh, lo and behold, there's a, a couple entrances to the mines, which are small mines, like a dried-up silver mine is what it is. Um, so I kind of end up having a dungeon anyway. Okay. Um, the, I'll say the, the bonus adventure that is a stretch goal, it is basically a small point crawl. It's, its scope is pretty small, but it's a point crawl. It's got some random encounters and a few set encounters. Um, but the two adventures in the back of the book, they're not, they don't have anything like a, a dungeon, really. I haven't actually played one. It has something where it's an area to explore, but I wouldn't quite call it a dungeon. But the first one, Death Crawls West, that one is you're on a wagon caravan and you're going west. And here's a bunch of Here's the set, you know, encounters. The wagon caravan has to cross this place to go forward. There'll be something there. But there's a bunch of random encounters as well. And the other one is a, you know, there's some, some bad bandits out there. And there's a, you know, a, you know, oh, well, I could say a bunch more, but it all be spoilers for a very new thing. Right. <laughs> so I won't. Um, 
So you can still kind of have a dungeon if you want, but having a dungeon, a dungeon isn't that different from having a point crawl, in my opinion, because you have these rooms in a dungeon and you have the hallways to connect them. And a point crawl is just set encounters on a larger space and generally random encounters that you can also just choose to ignore if you don't want to. And they can just say, we want to go here and you allow it for whatever reason. So uh, to, to anyone afraid of running a, something in the outdoors wilderness, whether it's a weird Western or you know more typical fantasy or the post-apocalypse, uh, once you realize everything's a dungeon, no matter if it's a dungeon or not, things get a little easier. Yeah, think well, of the structure kind of, of it. It's kind of like life, right? Yeah, <laughs> we think we have freedom. We think everything's great. Yeah. We're just living in a dungeon. Yeah, <laughs> it's a point crawl. I drive to work. I drive. Yeah, down. I hope I don't get any <laughs> random encounters on my commute. Yeah, and I I do agree, but I still think the uh, I think the idea is without wall. I mean, generally, I, I think with it's still point to point to point and you have to go to certain places to get to other places. Mm-hmm. But I think, but having like constr- like actual physical walls keeps, it kind of changes things a little bit. You kind of, I think you, you did cheat a little bit with the bad weather. Um, but, yeah. and, uh, but the other one with the mine, it's, it's a lot of it's still very open areas and, and it's not necessarily, um, it's not probably always as predictable how people are going to engage it. But you probably it's still probably a small enough adventure that it's not overly complicated. Yeah. When I because I started doing it with the beta rules, it would have been a little. Di- I I didn't want to like try to start some campaign. So they're they're both small in scope and are like a you can do this in a four hour con slot. So I kept them small also for that reason. Well, I personally believe for many groups maybe not most but especially online i think i think having an adventure only last so like four hours is probably about two sessions for people that meet for two or three hours yeah and i've run them both in three hours they end up feeling a little rushed you have to you know that may be mostly me you have to if you try to do a most adventures even if they're a short page count in three hours you end up pushing your players along and dropping some heavy hints now and then. Yeah. So I, th- I think really having, having something that you can play in two sessions on with your home group mm-hmm. is actually a, a, it's a nice length because I find that at least for me, you know, um, doing anything longer, it varies who can show up. It varies. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of things where it's just like, it's, you f- can finish and it, it just, I don't know. I, I, I find it more satisfying for everybody in, in my group that where we, we can from one to three sessions, whatever we do is done. And then we do the I, next thing. I definitely feel that with the longest like adventure I've done in like the past two years has been two sessions long because yeah, there's just you, we're not that different in, in age, but we, we both probably have about the same amount of life responsibilities um, in family and, and kids and, and jobs and all that and homes to take care of and lawns to mow. <laughs> yeah. We have plenty enough to do already. So uh, we can't, you know, we, we have a limited time. I, I wish uh, there'd been as many people trying to 
do gaming online and that technology had been there when I was, you know, a lot younger and didn't have anything but high school or something. <laughs> I would have played so much more, but it just wasn't there. Yeah, because I don't think Texas is probably high in the list of of states where there's a large RPG population. There is a, uh, it is not, and that's the reason that my regular group of, you know, I haven't moved too far from where I where I grew up, um, but it's a reason that my group of gaming friends are the same group of gaming friends I always had. <laughs> options can be slim depending on where you're located if if you're you know if you're in austin or dallas or one of the uh you know actual big cities it's just fine uh, but if you're not yeah, it is uh, now but it probably wasn't 20 years ago or 10 it years was, ago no nope. it's and i think with austin i don't i don't know i'm gonna make some assumptions i think austin's kind of probably considered a little bit more um Oh, is he labeled? It's probably more liberal, less conservative, and there's probably a lot more artsy oh, yeah. people, and it's probably a lot more of people accepting of that than there probably is in, in other places. I, uh, I've never lived in Austin, but I have many loved ones who live in Austin. Uh, they'll happily accept that label of being uh, more <laughs> artsy and liberal. They, they yeah. will. Yes, yes. And I'm not putting a pejorative term on either side, but it's <laughs> no. just that, that I, I, you know, I normally think of it, you're, you're, the weather there is probably good um, and, well, it's probably, it's, it's much better than it is here. But I mean, it seems like some states where you have more things to do, maybe where you're at, maybe the things to do was, uh, you know, motorcycles, ATVs and, uh, and rifles and shooting and hunting, yeah. you know, you know, that's probably where people spend their time doing stuff where, Sometimes you're in the Midwest, which is cold and miserable for four months out of the year. Well, yeah. in, in Texas, our trade is we can do stuff in the winter because it's usually still like 60 or 70 degrees, uh, except for, you know, the two days where it drops to, you know, 30, uh, you know, once a month. And then your grid month. falls apart and everybody's uh, in an apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we get our summers where you guys stay in because it's cold. We stay in because it's hot. And yeah. it's... Well, are we going to go outside and do anything? Hell no. It's 102 degrees. Let's stay inside and play some games. Well, the, you suffer the same thing I think we suffer, and that's humidity. And if it wasn't for the humidity, it wouldn't be quite so bad. It, well, it depends, uh, again, where you are in Texas. Texas is so dang big. You can, if you live in Houston or anywhere near a coast, it's sure humid. But you can also go to the parts of Texas, Texas which are just dry desert. So. We got like five different climates down here. Oh, that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't until we went to uh, Utah that I fully appreciated lack of humidity. <laughs> like, this is where I need to be. Why am I living in Illinois where it's just, it's humid a lot, a lot. But uh, anyway, that's, that's the way it is. But uh, yeah, so... Yeah, it is amazing how open and 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 the number of gamers and how things have exploded. It's really been been quite amazing, and I think uh, especially it opens up to even products you know like yours. I mean, as far as the weird west, you know, people able to do these these kickstars and fund smaller projects rather than having to do like Deadlands, where you'd have to you know probably put a Seventy thousand dollars in print copies and you know press runs back in the day. It's it makes things a lot more affordable for people to try things out. Yeah, it's uh, 
uh, honestly, now the bigger barrier is not like, can I do a print run? Because you don't even have to do that. The bigger barrier is learning to do uh, layout and um, realizing that you need an editor and uh, you are not your own editor and, and also getting art. There's a lot of good stock art out there, but uh, honestly, paying real artists is not that expensive either. And they so deserve it. <laughs> Yeah, because I found that I got lucky with scout. I got really, really lucky with scoundrels in that all the, except for the cover which I paid for, all the stock art, it fit. Even though it was, it, it fit really well, and and I didn't have to pay much for it. And it wasn't the type of stock art that people were used to seeing. So that was that was great. And I got lucky with with. Um, you know, with uh, during the Madlands because we actually had a, an artist who's willing to partner. But you're right; it's it's getting that good art, and you know, in you're probably flipping through people's zines as I flip through people's zines, and you start noticing the stock art, like you know what I mean? Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I've seen that 18th century <laughs> painting. That's public domain. I know. It's in like three of my books. No, the the stock art I got, I tried to at least manipulate it all so that you at least won't immediately, some of them you'll immediately recognize, but one of them was like, okay, you know, stretch goal for Diogo, but if I don't, I want to have this ready. Okay, we've got this weird monster creeping out of a tree. Let's put a different head on it. Okay, now let's put antlers on it. I can copy and paste stuff. I can, you know, smudge some lines. Okay, we've got that done. That looks good, actually. All right, we got this weird insect monster. Can I find a public domain stock art thing or a Santa hat? <laughs> yes, right. I can. So as long as you remain consistent. Yes. So I think two things are going for you. The the genre is is gonzo. You're a small press person. That's another thing. So as long as you're consistent and it, and it seems fun, I think people are willing to overlook that. Yeah. And I've used some different artists on here because not everyone had the same time to do stuff. But uh, so some of the styles are a little bit different, but not too different. Uh, but what is absolutely consistent is the quality. I've, you know, I'm not... I wouldn't be happy with uh, getting my own thing if I was like, nah, this, this crap art. Right. <laughs> wouldn't be happy with that. So, yeah. And I think the thing is, if you take the time, because I was able to, you know, before I, uh, uh, for Chema signed on, well, he did sign on, but I didn't know how much art he's going to give me because, you know, I'm not going to just, you know, <laughs> just keep badgering a guy who's partnering <laughs> to, just, to just like, give me 50 pieces of art, Chema. Can you give me 50 pieces of art? But, so I tried some different things, which actually actually worked out. And I think if you if a person is willing to experiment, you can find something that's repeatable and that does provide provide an, a good aesthetic. You you can't there there are alternatives to just having to use strictly art, you know. Yeah. And there's probably for yours. I mean, you, you, creatures may be one things, but there's a lot of probably um, scenes that you could probably have used and done some sort of mani digital manipulation that's consistent and been able to do something along those lines uh, as well. Yeah, hopefully they'll, they'll, one of the other stretch goals is like add some handouts to it. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to add some, some good scenes there. Because right now it's mostly monster art um, and also the, the cartography. Who's doing your cartography? 
uh, Davin Klutz. He did uh, the cartography for uh, all the stuff in Quarantine 2, uh, which was a, a DCC uh, scene. It was like four funnels and it's on drive through RPG if you search Quarantine. Uh, anything it earns goes to a, a COVID-19 like relief fund charity. Okay, so, I'll check that out. Yeah, it's 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 funny because you know there's a lot of people who are great cartographers. You know, it just seems mm-hmm. like everybody just defaults to like the thought of you know dice and logos. Like, well, I but- <laughs> I love you know it's it's an oversaturation issue. Yeah. I've yeah. I've got so many scenes that are you know uh, he's got a, a Patreon and you can get like free maps from that that you can use in your stuff. You know, for a like really really low amount. And I thought about, not for this, because it wouldn't work, but I thought about doing that for some other stuff. And I'm just like, but I've seen it in so many scenes. And I know it's yeah. <laughs> it's, it's oversaturation, unfortunately. But it's, it's still great work. It's amazing. It is. And it's it definitely. Um, but I think the thing is, is, you know, people forget there's other people out there. Yeah. And, and there's also people that are doing just different takes you know, that are very interesting, mm-hmm. you know, it's very easy, very stylized. And, you know, some of the, the, the hot, there's definitely some hot artists out there. Um, um, but yeah, but there's a lot of, there's just a lot of people. And I think it's, it's worthwhile to kind of like search those people out. Um, and if they're new, their prices are usually incredibly reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So. Yeah, it's it's kind of a hard thing because when you're doing something, you you know we're 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 in a bind because mm-hmm. you know we're not a major company. We don't have a you know you may have stretch goals, but there's you may say you know what I really do need. Let's say you say I really need to have this. I want to have this magazine or magazine or this this not the magazine but this book produced, mm-hmm. and I want to have a certain amount of art ahead of time. So you do need to budget some, but you don't have a lot of money. You don't know what you're going to get. And it's, you hate to go to somebody in lowball people because that's just yeah. like a jerk, but you, know, hey, you don't have any money either. So that's, that's another thing. Yeah. Basically everything I made off of merchants of the multiverse and then a little bit from selling, you know, VTT tokens on drive through went into this. Um, so hopefully it does well, but yeah, I didn't, I had the opportunity, I guess, to lowball some people, but instead I just said, Hey, sorry, I can't afford that maybe next time, you know, I, I would have, I contacted Stefan Pogue who does a lot of DCC art. I was like, Hey, I don't know what your price is, but I would love to be able to get you to do a cover. And he gave me his price. And I was like, I cannot afford that. I'm very sorry. And I got a, uh, Bruno, uh, Prosecco. He's, uh, a Brazilian artist. He's on Twitter. Um, and he's amazing. And I love the cover art I got from him. I love it. It's it's really amazing. And it was like a fourth of the price that Stephen Poke would have done it for. Yeah. The uh so I I don't know if you heard I I did an interview with, with Gabriel. Um I forget his last name, but he's out of he's out of uh Rio de Janeiro. He worked in the US for a bit, but he moved down there to do he's he does uh Warpland and he does uh uh Neuro City. And uh, he's trying to make a go of it, being a full-time um, publisher and writer. And but because he's living in, in Argentina, he might actually be able to make it and still be a small publisher. 
Yeah, because so, just the the cost of living. If you're making most of your money from U.S. and in dollars, it goes a long way. So yeah, yeah. That's, so that's the other secret. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of amazing Brazilian artists. You know, Diego and and Bruno and or and other folks too from other countries. Uh, cost of living is is less, and you might get them for basically a deal. Are, are you are you friends with Diogo on Facebook? Uh, I don't do Facebook, so, so oh, okay. No. He, he broke his foot a while back. I know, yeah. he's, I've seen that on Twitter. Yeah, he had to go into work with a broken foot <laughs> to prove that he had a broken foot, and they were like, "Yeah, it's broken," and so he went home. <laughs> yeah, he has to deal with a bunch of not crazy nonsense. Yeah, I, I know. Him, and I'm just like, well, he can stay home and draw now, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. It doesn't have to deal with those the, those helicopter gunships going overhead or the or the small arms fire. It's like, yeah, these people uh, they go through a lot. So yeah, yeah. throw some coin their way, please. <laughs> like, you want to keep them viable. Um, so yeah, it's you're right. There's a lot of there's a lot of people, and I think if you're interested in not you, but I mean, yeah, you know, listeners. listeners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you know. There's a lot of people out there, and I know what's I find hard is uh, a number of times for different things I've approached people, and then I get no response, and it's very yeah. easy to be discouraged. But it does, but just keep trying different people, not necessarily the same person. But uh, yeah, sometimes you don't get a response, just, okay, and sometimes <laughs> you get a response like five days later, and they're like, "Hey, sorry, it's been crazy." And that's fine too. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so you said uh, November third uh, is your, the plan. November third, uh, one day after mothership. I was gonna do it on the second, then mothership wanted to do it. I was like, well, I'm not gonna get any internet attention on that day. I'll push it to the third. So not that it's I, even the same genre or really. How long are you gonna do run your Kickstarter for? Uh, about two and a half weeks. So I just did mine for like three weeks and three days, and mm. that was one week too long. I will never do that again. Yeah, I, I'm going to end it on my plan is the 19th, which is the Friday before Black Friday, because I was like, no one's going to be paying attention to this on Thanksgiving week. <laughs> so no. that's long enough. My my problem was Labor Day uh, got me, but the the mistake I made was I, I don't know if somebody was talking about three weeks, but you know you you click the start date and you click the other date and you kind of go back mm-hmm. and forth and yeah, I, it, it's hard to really understand how much I know it's weird, but it's how much time it was. And after I did it, and then I thought after I haven't gone through, it's like no, two weeks and three days. That's that's the max. Well, I, I've been preparing stuff quite a bit ahead of time and. Almost every day, there's something I fiddle with on the like Kickstarter setup thing. Well, the problem is, is that just that you know, for such a long time, that that middle ground, you will, you will, it's just nothing's going on. Yeah, flat. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes your number will stay the same, uh, but your amount will drop. You're like, what happened? It's like, I, oh, one person, uh, one person bought in, another person dropped, but the person that that dropped. Was that a higher amount than the person that bought in? That happened one day on, on Merchants, and I was, it was a very discouraging day. Um, but you get through it. You get out the other side. Yes. And, and your thing, as we're recording right now, has like just a few hours to go. So I know you're like almost at that finish line. Oh, no, it's done. It was oh, it, done it, it was, if, oh, okay. Well, I checked it like yesterday, and I was like, oh, not long. No, no. I, I'm, I, feel, I feel better. It's just one less 
thing of stress I'm dealing with. So it's, yeah, it's, but no, it did it did well. It was um, yeah. It's so there's this thing called kick track. Are you familiar with kick mm-hmm. track? Yeah. Do not do not do not do that because it will it will take you it'll amplify your anxieties and your hopes and your fears and just magnify them and it will take you on a roller coaster you should not be on. It's, it's one of the piece of advice I've heard of just like you're gonna check your Kickstarter constantly, check it once a day. Don't do it more than that. But you're gonna give yourself project, so much anxiety. It will project it out. It'll project out what it thinks you're gonna get. I I saw one from a Sean Richer recently at the, he did his Crapland Two Kickstarter and it was like ah according to KickTrack I should make like forty thousand dollars on this and uh, spoilers it did not make forty thousand uh, dollars. No, what it, it still does succeeded, is, but um, no, what yeah. it does is it projects out your curve. So what happens is is you you're well aware of you you have a surge in the beginning, it's flat in the middle, and mm-hmm. it surges at the end. I think it thought his he was gonna keep surging or something. Yeah, like, mine did the same like thing. That. I checked mine like like a, like five or six days afterwards. I did. It's like, oh, you're gonna get eight grand. Like what? I'm like, well, okay. And then the number kept dropping. And then pretty soon it was like going to like more like two thousand two hundred. <laughs> like, yeah, you feel like you're constantly <laughs> losing money in the stock market, or or someone's just right. you know mosquitoes on your bank account. <laughs> Yeah, so you're right. The best thing is 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 just don't overdo the the recycling of your. But don't do don't go to kick track. Do not do that. It's just it'll no. like I say. It's just like I'm just gonna check the Kickstarter and that's it. <laughs> just go okay. Got a little bit more today. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is it is strange psychology. I just I wonder. You know, I'm planning on hopefully doing. I don't know. I could be doing uh, maybe two or three more, maybe more mm-hmm. next year. I don't know what's going to happen. I got some. I got some thoughts. I don't know what's going to prove to fruition, but you know, I, I just wonder. I, I'm sure after doing a number yeah. of these, it's not so bad. Yeah, okay. uh, I know you're. You're like, oh, well, scene quest is only around the corner. Should I do something? <laughs> I'm thinking the same thing. Oh no, I, mine's already yeah. going. I, I I already got that lined up. I just got to get it finished. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. That that's my thing. I'm like I'll probably do this. So probably. that's the other. That's the other thing is I know. Um, I know that because I didn't do this during Zine Quest. It's probably it probably cost me some money. I, I know there's a certain there's well, got to be a certain economic advantage Maybe. you can't you can't do everything on zine, zine quest but you know but. If, i'm sure someone could try to break it down but no one has done it but like did it cost you money because you didn't get the promotion from scene quest or yeah, I think did so. you get more money or did you break even because the people who are looking at your thing now don't have seven other things that they're looking at while they have the same you know amount of paychecks you know. So what I did wrong, and I will highly recommend that you do if you haven't already, is mm-hmm. there's a, a a place where you can create uh, custom links to you, to track stuff like where you yes. promote it. Yeah. So I, if I were you, if you're saying I'm going to post this on the RPG Zine group, you create that special link just for the RPG Zine group, and then you post that in there. You say I'm going to do a Twitter. You separate them out because I I don't know where I, stuff came from. 
I didn't do that on my zine quest, but it's one of the things I'm planning to do this next time because I realized like halfway through that, I was like, it's kind of too late now. I do want that data. (laughs) I wish I had it. And I think, you know, I, I would have thought that the RP that the uh, post-apocalyptic RPG uh, zine community, not zine, the post-apocalyptic, I can't even say, I'm done. Uh, I got you. <laughs> but anyway, the game forum, I would have thought would have gotten a lot of interest, hardly anything. I, I don't know, but I think probably a large number of people came from the RPG zine group, not from a lot of those other communities I thought would have probably bought into it. Yeah. I've I've gotten a lot from Discord, but I'm I'm only able to know that because it was like, okay, I posted the like Kickstarter pre-launch link on these Discords on this day. And the next morning I had a lot more people. And then that day I posted on this other thing. And the next morning I didn't have a lot more people. I had some more. So that's that's what I've done so far. But once the Kickstarter launches so I get a little bit more time on my hand. I'm going to do the actual tracking link things, whatever they're called. Yes, uh, whatever they're called. Yes, do those. <laughs> <laughs> it's late for both of us. It is. Yeah, speaking of that, I think we're, we're hitting the, uh, the time-space continuum. That's so. Uh... Yes, I I've, I've, I've see the, the wall, the shimmering wall approaching quickly. <laughs> I better... <laughs> we better depart before before it obliterates us into uh, nothingness so anyway uh, it's great talking to you Stefan yeah been fun and until next time uh, and uh, good luck with your Kickstarter I'm really yeah, looking forward you. to that thank you